Okay, on today's episode, uh, I'm going to be discussing an important topic of money management with the host of Conversations uh, for Money podcast and uh, co-founder of Money Intelligence, uh, Peter Komalafi. Uh, our objective today, Pete, is to try and give some actionable takeaways to people listening about how they can better take control of their finances. So welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. No, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I know we've had a conversation maybe a few, it almost feels like a month or so ago. Now. It does, it? Longer than that. But yeah, I mean, look, there are lots of tips we can give and lots of stuff that I'm going to give today that people will be able to implement into their finances. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we talked about previously. It's, um, it's a topic that we all really need the skills for, but we don't actually get taught through formal education at all. And so it's something I think we could, everyone could probably do better at, no matter what your skill level is currently. Um, but it's something that's quite essential. I mean, there's a lot of people, we all want to be more financially stable, freer or whatever, but the foundation, I think we get distracted by how do we earn more money, but we're not managing what we have now. So it's really, I'm really interested to, have a conversation and hopefully share some advice with people that can hopefully take better control of their, their money. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're absolutely right. The financial education piece is, um, is disappointing to say the least. Um, I mean, I've been in financial services for 15 years. I've worked across retail banking, corporate banking. I qualified as a financial advisor back in 2014. I've advised clients, worked with high net worth individuals, wealthy clients, and I've worked in that wealth management now for the last eight years. And um, yeah, we don't get this, get taught this stuff in school. It's very, very basic information that we need to be equipped with when we were young, really, to be honest, because I don't know about you, I learned everything that I know by trial and error prior to mm -hmm. starting in financial a services. A lot of error. <laughs> a lo no, a lot of error. Yeah. Um, a lot of error in the fact that I, you know, as a kid, I used to bounce checks and all sorts of stuff back when checks were still, back when still the thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all trial and error. And I believe that that's, that's the same for pretty much everyone. And for, so for some people, I guess it is very, very easy to fall into a bit of a habit with money mm -hmm. as well. Um, there's always this uh, assumption that the more money you earn, the easier it will be. Well, it's mm -hmm. actually, that's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. The more money you earn, if you can't control it, you're going to end up spending more. And that's what a lot of people yeah. fall into. Certainly something I fell into working in Canadian War, earning really, really well. I made more money. Therefore, I spent more money. because oh, I, I, I did exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah, It's so easily done because if you don't have the discipline with a thousand pounds then or a thousand dollars right you're not going to have any with 10 times it by a hundred you're not going to change that situation. exactly i mean you're always going to find something that you're going to upgrade so you're going to upgrade the house that you live in you're going to upgrade yeah. the car you're going to you're going to have more expensive taste when it comes to the things that you buy when you shop mm -hmm. you know people graduate from you know uh morrison's to waitrose <laughs> for example right exactly. it's so because true. it's perceived quality and people can easily fall within that within that circle. I guess yeah. for me, what I have found is that if you have the ability from the outset to control and restrict what you spend, and it's, it is mindset. A lot of it is mindset. There's there's a piece of education in there, but there's mm -hmm. also a mindset in there. And it's all about how you view money. And I talk about this a lot on my social channels and my podcast conversation on money podcasts and, um, and on YouTube and via all of my things, it's all about mindset, but you mm -hmm. have to get that right and be informed with the right information as well in order to implement something and make it manifest in your daily uh, usage of money. 
What do you see as being, with all the people that you've advised over the years, do you ever do you see common themes, um, like you just touched on? I mean, I mean, spend what spend what comes in, but is there common themes are, are where more education is required? There are definitely common themes with all of the wealthy people that I've worked with. Now, mm. not all of them have this because there are still some wealthy people that I know who are still in a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. So they make a lot of money, but they leverage that even more. And it's not healthy debt. It's not like, you know, additional mortgage and stuff, but they make a lot of money and just spend it all and their yeah. credit card debt and all the kind of stuff. But the ones that I've worked with who are very, very good with their money, they all have this common um, thread amongst them where they treat their money as a tool mm-hmm. and not just easy come, easy go, right? It comes and I'm going to spend it and do the things that I want to do with it without thought. Mm-hmm. They all have a mindset of, so I've got this money coming in. Okay. So what, how can I use this to make it grow or buy yeah. another property or make it double itself? They all have that fundamental mindset. And that dictates how they invest money, what they use money to buy, um, and and how they handle it. I mean, some of the most wealthy people that I know that I've worked with are stingy, like mm-hmm. really, really selfish. Like they won't buy you a pint of beer. <laughs> and they're driving around. They're driving around in a Bentley, but they will not let you off ten pounds if you owe them. Classic. That is a mindset. I mean, yeah. that might be a little bit too extreme. But that is a mindset. That's very much of money is supposed to be used for something. Therefore, I want to make sure that I get every panel so I can allocate it elsewhere. And all of them, when it comes to money management, because they're selfish with people and actually giving people money, mm-hmm. they're even more selfish with themselves sometimes. So they'll give themselves allocations of cash, but ultimately they are looking towards the future in terms of, right, if I'm, if I'm making 10 grand this month, I want to be investing five grand of this because mm-hmm. there's an opportunity in the market to invest in the stock market or to buy property or, or to invest in the business and those kind of things. Those are common threads that I've seen with people that I know who are wealthy, who are very, very good with money. You see, so there's the common adage of kind of pay yourself first. Right. And I think that's the difference between you see the, the, the people who make their lot of money and Warren Buffett is always, uh, you know, communicated this quite clearly of you pay yourself first invest and then you spend what's left after you've saved and invested and the majority of us unfortunately do the opposite way around if there's anything left generally there's not because we we probably borrowed or or overspent then we might save some money and it's all that delayed gratification versus instant gratification i suppose it is and i think again so one of my big beliefs is this you've got mindset which is the first thing yep. your mindset informs your habits, then your habits manifest in day to day. So that's how you spend money. And what you were saying about Warren Buffett there, that's the mindset. So pay yourself first. And I, people often ask me and say, well, that's just almost sounds like a platitude, right? Mm-hmm. Pay yourself first. What does it actually mean? Well, in practice, what it basically means is you may be going to a job nine to five, eight to six that you hate. Mm-hmm. Like you hate your boss. You don't like going there. Everyone that you work with annoys you, mm-hmm. gets on your nerves. You constantly have that Sunday, Monday morning dread, right? Dragging yourself out of bed, going into work with anxiety, depression. The mindset is important because if you're in that situation, I believe that many people are. 
I've mm. been in that situation before. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone goes through that pretty yeah. almost you know, at some if, point. If you are in that situation, the one thing that you want to do is you want to leave that job, right? But what often stops people from leaving a job like that is money. Yeah. They don't have money in the background. So when I talk about mindset, I always try and have a look and say, look, you need to be intentional with your money. So have a purpose for it. So if you're going to a nine to five, you absolutely hate it. Why would you take your paycheck every single month and just blow your money? Yeah. Why would you do it? Like it's no means to any end because ultimately you need money to be able to leave that job, and move on to something that you might want to do or to a better pastures because you need an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. But the mindset is important because the mindset will then dictate, right? Okay. So when I get paid, my paycheck is this, I've got X amount to go out for my bills, my mortgage, my rent, my car payments, credit card payments, all the stuff you have to pay. I then have a pot of money left over, right? So within that pot of money, you will then separate out your discretionary. So eating out entertainment, birthdays, Mm -hmm. anniversaries, those kind of things, right? Then hopefully what you should then have is you should have a third pot of money, which is disposable. And that's the money really that you should be using to either build an emergency fund so you can mm -hmm. leave your job, invest in the future, invest in businesses, invest in property. That's what all of the wealthy people that I know have done. Mm -hmm. They know exactly how much they've got coming in in terms of their bills. They have that covered. Yeah. They know exactly how much they're allocating themselves for the things that they like to do, their holidays, so on and so forth. And they know exactly how much they have as a separate pot of money to invest money. And the best ones out of them, and this is something I do, is they will try and make that third pot as big as possible. So yeah. if it means that they have to cut down, yeah. They're cutting down the fixed costs, right? Like the car yeah. and all the rest of it. That... So they're cutting down all the fixed costs, all the stuff that they have to pay for, they're cutting that down. If they need to, they'll cut out off the discretionary stuff so the holidays that kind of stuff just to make that third pot bigger because that third pot is the one that they're using to build for the future and i do this with people that i coach i say you know we need to sit down and actually have a look at your money what you got coming in what you're going out unfortunately a lot of people know how much they get paid but mm -hmm. they don't know what exactly they've got going out no. like any given day i know exactly what i've got going out of my account so i know my bills are this my discretionary is this my investment pot is this i know that and that's off watching people, wealthy people do exactly the same thing. And I'm like, yeah. how have you managed to get like a hundred thousand pounds mm -hmm. investments over such a short period of time or have 20 grand, 25 grand just sat around as an emergency fund? How do you do that? They do that because they're regimented and that comes back to mindset. How do you view money? Is it a tool that you use for the future or is it just something that you you, you get, you earn in and you just basically just go spend out. I mean, people will spend hundred pounds, 200 pounds on designer gears, clothes, shopping, right? Stuff that in the scheme of things don't really matter. Yeah. Right. But they will not spend 200 pounds on something that will better their futures. Yeah. They won't spend 200 pounds in investment. They won't spend 200 pounds on a course or coaching, for example, to make sure that they can put their next step forward in the best way fashion because yeah. it's, it is what you said before instant gratification mm -hmm. where's the gratification in taking a, co a course or taking any coaching things like that so that's where the mindset shift needs to come from where we need to think more about we need to live in the now yes but how do we also keep one eye on the future to build it's the powerful it's the power of marketing as well right because everyone goes oh yeah 200 quid for a, a shirt or jeans or whatever great value. Mm -hmm. 
200 quid on learning how to take control of your life rip off it's definitely yeah. a problem <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like i'm sure that the, the the jeans that you just bought that cost 10 quid to make for 200 is mm -hmm. more of a rip off than the course that's going to teach you how to yeah. to be honest though i used to be in that mindset oh uh, uh, yeah uh, it's I like we've all gone through that too it's... i have literally gone out and bought a pair of trainers for a thousand pounds jeez without even thinking and the thing is when you when you're chasing instant gratification mm -hmm. you that is that's a fleeting moment right because i remember i bought those trainers i'm like yeah <laughs> these are these are going to look so good people are going to know that this is expensive and that's the sad thing that's the thing you do it because, people, yeah. yeah i didn't do it because oh these i they don't get me wrong they were lovely they looked really really nice but i was more concerned about these are going to look really really cool uh -huh. people are going to be impressed when they see this i'm going to get loads of questions it wasn't because oh yeah that's a really really cool pair of trainers i'm going to have that and it is a fleeting moment because after you've worn that item or used that item once or two times or even maybe instantly because i know i have bought some things where it's like i've had that instant gratification that buzz like in yeah. the first hour then i'm just like oh, remorse afterwards no why did i go and buy this i want to go take it back but you don't want to look like an idiot for taking it back so you don't take it back i've had both sides of that so it does again it comes back to mindset that instant gratification we have to learn how to um to control that and know that ultimately those moments of instant gratification they are fleeting they're instantaneous they're not last for that long and all this time i mean a thousand pounds to somebody who's already a brand and a millionaire anyway so i've just given them a thousand pounds of my hard-earned cash it's like thinking about the work that i had to do to get that thousand pounds I've just handed that over for trainers that they probably made for a hundred pounds. Yeah. Probably not even that. That, yeah. And I could have I could have invested that thousand pounds in the stock market, bought Tesla stock, for example, yes, okay. and it would have doubled or tripled, quadrupled by this time. You know, so it, it uh, mindset plays a huge part in this. And we've got a lot to overcome, you know, because we are we're programmed to be consumers from a very young age. Everything is about consuming the. the just buy stuff buy stuff buy stuff that's how the economy works ultimately um but you've got to try and get into the producer mindset right mm -hmm. turn that money into whether you're creating a product or whatever it is you've got to i think it's the the owner mindset is the way tony robbins talks about it yeah like think about being an owner rather than a buyer if you're spending your money in starbucks every day go and buy Starbucks because mm -hmm. you know you might as well put your money back into the company that you you own a, a small portion of yeah, exactly. just be the consumer of it exactly I mean yeah and unfortunately this is where education fails us because we don't yeah. these are important life skills practical life skills that you would think you're going to school to learn about life but it's not there no it makes no sense to me it really really doesn't and in 2020 to be having this conversation is like what how and why does this actually happen no. but you're right the sentiment is if you're if you're if you're consuming the products of a company and that company stock is available well guess what there are a million other people just like you spending money there every single day mm -hmm. so why not own a piece of that business why not and one of the things that i try and do with Obviously, I do coaching. I've got an investment course. I try and teach people how to start investing in, in companies, in businesses. And 
it's it's quite a, a popular topic now because I think people are, are acutely aware of the fact that you can buy shares in these businesses now, yeah. particularly with the likes of Trading Two One Two, Free Trade, where you can buy go and buy Tesla stock now, commission free. Yeah, and like you can buy it on a fractional basis. I mean, I own Tesla stock, and yeah, the last week or so has been extremely good for the share price. It's like $1,200 right now, right? But we're trading 212 and the like, you can buy fractional shares. So you can invest 10, 10 pounds to 100 pounds and get a fraction of that, of, of a share of that business. Before that was unheard of. You couldn't do that 10 years ago. Absolutely not. You needed, you need five, 10,000 pounds to, to begin. Now you can start off with 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds a month, whatever it is that you can afford. And that's the kind of stuff that I try and teach people how to begin if you're going to choose a company how do you actually choose that company mm -hmm. what research do you need to do just buy in tesla because oh stock price is one thousand two hundred dollars no that's not the stock price isn't a true reflection you need to think about other things mm -hmm. so i i teach people about those kind of things as well that's the other thing i think um we'll, and we'll come back on to a bit about how do, how do you manage your money in a second but this is a valid point and something you know things like bitcoin have got a lot of press Mm -hmm. ultimately gambling right no one is not it's not hasn't got the intrinsic value like you're talking about how do you value a company as to whether it's worth investing in bitcoin's fine if you want to have a bit of a speculative flutter but it could go either way and it's not directly linked to a lot of stuff and i think my concern is i've seen particularly over the last few months loads of people since the stock market dropped in march loads of people opened up accounts and started trading and all sorts of stuff with no idea what they're doing and the fundamentals don't stack up currently <laughs> and right. I, I worry for an awful lot of people that have suddenly yeah. dumped all of loads of money that everything that they have not very which isn't always a huge amount into a market that's incredibly unstable yeah i mean so yeah, yeah so let's talk about that a little bit so let me come at this in two ways so trading is an important is an interesting topic and it's one that i often have with people who are confused about investing they think mm -hmm. trading is investing no it's like chalk and cheese they mm -hmm. are two worlds completely different from one another so with trading it's important that you understand what you're doing I, I, there's this uh this this uh saying by warren buffett's partner he goes everybody knows that they can't run the 100 meters in usain bolt times mm -hmm. right they just know it's not physically possible they're not built like that and he goes, I don't understand why people feel that they can go and invest in the stock market without having a Scooby where to begin. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't, you would not go and race against Usain Bolt. You just wouldn't. You embarrass yourself. So what yeah. makes you think you can just go along and invest in the stock market and start trading? Just like that without any prior preparation, research, mm -hmm. education, or any source of information to guide you. And I think it's really, really important in this day and age. Number one, because trading 212 is available free trades available, Revolut's uh, available. Mm -hmm. You've got Robin Hood coming to the UK now. So all of these things are enablers, but you need to understand the information. Now on, on Bitcoin specifically and cryptocurrencies, I've worked in, I've worked in these for 15 years. I've been in wealth management for the last eight. So even as an industry, we don't recognize currently uh, things like cryptocurrencies as mm -hmm. assets that are worth investing in. And the reason for that is because it's, it's not regulated, but I spent, you know, maybe the last, six months or so just trying to get my understanding of cryptocurrencies how they actually work mm -hmm. and cryptocurrency is 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 supposed to be outside of the system because guess what 
it's been created not to be regulated, to be decentralized from, from the banks. Yeah. So the big um, cryptocurrencies are, you know, the Bitcoins, you've got Ether, which is on the Ethereum. Then you've got all the other smaller ones, which are Litecoin, Tezo, XRP, XYO. They're all designed to do something specifically. Now, the interesting thing about crypto is it isn't attached to any fundamentals like, you're, like we're saying, right? So if I wanted to go and buy Tesla stock, I'm looking at Elon. What's he all about? What's his track history? He's, you know, PayPal, that's his baby. You know, I'm looking at that track record of the individual heading up the company. I'm then having a look at what products they've got. So Model 3, Model S, Model Y, Model X, Cybertruck, Roadster, right? I'll then be looking at financials. How much money are they making? How are they projected to make money? Are they rolling out any new projects that are really, really taking off? I'm looking at all those kind of things. I'm looking at their debts. How highly are they leveraged on their debt? You can't do any of that with cryptocurrencies, nothing, because it's all based on sentiment and demand. Mm -hmm. Now, as more and more people kind of move towards the demand of things like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, I still have a question of, will it be regulated? Because even, even nations now are seriously looking at the idea of having a mm -hmm. cryptocurrency of their own, creating one of their own which will still be tied to their central banks. But what does that actually say for people like Bitcoin? Now, the idea behind Bitcoin is actually pretty good. I, I think it's, it's still very much in its infancy. Mm -hmm. Is it something that people can invest in? I think so. The past performance is certainly something that you can't ignore. I mean, you're looking at coins at 10,000 a coin. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and the way they keep the demand and, and the scarcity of that coin also is actually quite interesting. Um, you know, every four years, the number of, of coins, basically half or something like that. So is it something you can invest in, in the future? I think so. I'm not completely 100% comfortable with it right now. I'm still on my own journey to learn. But I do know that, you know, it is something that maybe people need to have on their radar to have a look at because I don't see it going away unfortunately no. because i just think that people are you you look at the unbanked people who don't have bank accounts right mm -hmm. you can do most stuff with crypto now i mean yeah. some of the applications that people are working on are incredible so will it go away i don't think so i think it's still very much in its in, in its infancy um it should be something that people look at but try to get the education on. I mean, I've been in this for 15 years and I don't fully understand it myself. and I'm still on my journey to understand it, but it, you know, it is there and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. No, I think it's um, the important part is it's, it's speculative. Right. And I think my, my concern with those things is people get caught by the headlines. Generally what tends to happen, if you remember like, I don't know, what, 18 months or so ago, that Christmas when it went mm -hmm. through, most of the people who have no idea what they're do, talking about, ended up at the top of the peak and then yeah. it dived really quick because it gets press headlines and everyone says oh look there's an easy way to make some money without having any understanding whatsoever and they put everything they've got which might not be a huge amount of money straight into that and guess what happened it drops by 80 percent and then yeah. you've lost everything and you'll sit and then what does everyone do with an emotional response exit <laughs> So you lock in that 80%. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is one thing that you said. Easy way to make money. There mm. is no easy way to make money. Like, exactly. it does not exist. It does not exist. There is no easy way of making money. Whether you want to buy cryptocurrency, buy stocks, start trading in Forex or whatever it is that you want to trade, 
it's not easy. It's not sit back, watch the money roll in. And unfortunately on social media, will have you believe that it is. And it's not, mm-hmm. there is no way of, of easy way of making money. And I think the biggest thing is people need to have an appreciation for that and be willing to put the time in to educate themselves. A lot of people, number one, don't want to go and do the time to actually do the research or educate themselves mm-hmm. because, oh, guess what? It might be a little bit too confusing. And even a bigger portion of people are like, mm, I don't know if I want to pay someone to help me, guide me to do that or help me gain the information. So there's that, there's that juxtaposition where, look, you, if you're going to do this, you need to do it properly and not try and play it by ear. Yeah. Be lucky because guess what? you need to know when to buy in. When is a good time to buy into a company? Is Tesla still good to buy at $1,200? What's the forecast for Tesla? Mm-hmm. People have been betting against this company for years. I you know. know. It was going to go past $450. It's now yeah. triple that now. They were, they were going to go bust 12, 18 months ago. That exactly. Nice, right? So is it a good time to buy? That's what you need to know. Is it a good time to buy any company? What yeah. are the key indicators that you're looking at? Don't go and follow the news and be like, oh yeah, there's a 1,200, I'm going to buy Tesla. Guess what? It might actually fall tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It might go back down to $800. Who knows? But it's the fundamentals behind the business that people need to understand and they need to know what to look for mm-hmm. and ultimately have this mind of, it's not easy money, it's not quick money. If you're going to invest in the markets or invest in companies, it is a long-term game. And that's one thing I guess people don't often appreciate either. Yeah, it's the it's the compound effect, isn't it? It's that you've got to be using. I think as Einstein said that the eighth wonder of the world is yep. compound interest, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you don't learn to use it, you'll you'll pay it. Yeah, um, and it's the little. And that's the the thing with everything in life, isn't it? It's the small stuff that feels like it doesn't make a great deal of difference in the short term that ends up adding up, whether that be a positive or a negative. It accumulates it snowballs over and over time and investing is that slow game that feels like you're probably not going to get very far very soon but over 10 20 years it go it, it, you can amass quite a decent uh, yeah. portfolio and fortune to be honest with, with, yeah. with a fairly small starting sum yeah i did a video couple of weeks ago my youtube channel the youtube channel is called conversation of money it's, it's all one word if you search it you'll find it but i talked about the fact of why investing is important in your 20s 30s and 40s right and i ran an example using a compound interest calculator so compound interest is most most apparent and more powerful over the long term and these numbers are staggering so if this is something i wish my parents had taught me and this is the greatest gift that you could give a child Mm -hmm. ever like not cars when i was a kid as well (laughs) seriously not cars not houses. This is the greatest gift you could give your child. If when they are 20, they get their first job, you ask them, right, make sure you invest, let's say hundred pounds a month or a portion of their paycheck. So um, the example that I run in the video is hundred pounds a month, hundred pound a month into an investment every single year, 40 years, long, long time. They're going to be 60 by the time they touch this money. The hundred pounds a month, based on, I think it was like a 10, 10% return, which the market's have returned between 10 and 12 yep. every single year for the last 20 odd years or so. So the market does what it's done. Mm-hmm. By the time they reach the age of 60, they'll have 1.2 million pounds. Mad. 1.2 million pounds. From now, 100 quid a month. From 100 quid a month. Now the difference is, if you started that at age 30, 
that amount was something like 385,000. Yeah, You're sense. losing 700,000 by those 10 years. And that is a, is a massive demonstration of the power of compound interest. That 10 years is huge. It's massive. It is huge. I like the story. I think it started off as a Chinese proverb with a, a grain of rice that doubles every day. And then I think Darren Hardy turned it into a, a pound or a, a dollar that uh, doubles mm-hmm. every day. And by day 30, you got $10 million. Mm-hmm. That one dollar that, $1 that doubles every single day. Yeah. It takes the first 20 odd days, 21, 22 days before it actually gets anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then the compound effect of once it gains critical mass yeah. is absolutely astonishing and i that illustration should be just taught to everybody in school yeah. and you know we talk about these grand numbers and that can be very inspiring to people you hear 1.2 million quid i mean who doesn't want that yeah. 40 years age 60 come on like seriously that's legacy money yeah. and that's not even taken into consideration by the way you probably worked all that time and your employer is now probably paying into a pension all that time because of auto enrollment for you and you've probably paid in as well True. so you could potentially be looking at, you know, age 60 with 1.2 million pounds in investment portfolio, but God knows what else, another 1.2 million pounds in a pension pot. That's 2.4 million pounds. Okay. Now let's just say the argument is, Oh, I don't want to work until 60 P like, I want to retire at 50. Okay. So at 50, that number still looks like something like 800, 900,000 pounds. And that's assuming you still only put a hundred pounds a month. Exactly. You know, when you're 20, that's fine. But by the time you get to 30, 40, 50, you could be paying in hundreds of pounds a month because exactly again, back to the mindset discipline as your salary goes up you can keep a greater percentage each time that goes up and and reinvest and you'll get there incredibly quick you could end up with 10 million quid right exactly and that's where it comes back to all of the wealthy people that i've worked with clearly split their money into three baskets i call it bucketing bucket one my essentials bucket two the things that i like to do bucket three what i'm going to use to build for the future Mm -hmm. If there's one management tip and one thing that I wish, again, my parents had taught me would be that. Pay your bills, like to, you know, enjoy life because you have to. You just can't go to work and just like <laughs> not do anything. You know, you have to enjoy life. So if it's holidays, allocate money to your holidays, right? Allocate money to your holidays. But have a pot of money that you're using to build for the future, to lay foundation to something greater in the future. It's very, very easy to do in practice. The hardest thing to get past is the mindset mm. to actually set that up. And that's one thing that I, I do in my coaching. Simone is a prime example. You know, we, people will say, I want to do this. Okay, what does that mean? I want to go on three holidays. Okay, let's start off with where. Where mm. do you want to go? Is it long haul, short haul? Is it domestic? Okay, long haul. Where long haul? Because other places, some places are more expensive than the other. So are you looking to go to Thailand where it's cheap? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to go to the Bahamas where it might be a little bit more expensive and upper class? Do you want to go to Dubai? Okay. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you want to go, how much is that going to cost? Then we add those three holidays up over the year. We know you need 10,000 pounds. Okay. So you need 10,000 pounds. When you start putting the numbers together mm-hmm. against everything you want to do, then you realize, okay, I've got to earn this much. And this will work, change the world if you're self-employed. I had a coaching call last week, sat down with um, Kiefer and she was like, okay, um, this is what I want to do. I said, okay, so what's the number? And it came up was like 57,000 pounds. And she goes, oh my God, that's a lot. I said, okay, but divide that now by 12. Mm -hmm. 
4,738, I think it came to. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. I'm like, you're, you're pretty much a third of the way. Well, you're actually over halfway there. She was running probably about two and a half, almost three grand. So the amount you need to make up is not actually a lot. Yeah. So it then becomes, well, okay, so how can I launch either new products or new services to help me make that shortfall? And if I can scale that one thing, then all of a sudden, that 57,000 pounds a year becomes absolutely nothing because you've got something that is scaled to help you make sure that you can do all those things. So you're living life, enjoying it, and you're still having money set aside, even more money to push into investments. So it's not, the number often can be quite big and quite daunting. And I say good. Yeah. If it scares you, if that number is a big number to you and you're like, oh my God, good. Because <laughs> that means you've got some real work to do. Is okay. it like, is it to shine the light on where you need to, where the, the opportunity becomes, because I think what you just said there was how, how do I earn more? And then it's like, how do I cut costs? And mm -hmm. the important question, isn't it, is that one single word, how mm -hmm. changes everything. Yeah. And that's, the, and that, that is the bit that people, that I always say, focus on that, right? You need to know what the numbers are because you mm -hmm. have to put the numbers to them. If you don't put the numbers to it, you want to go on holiday. Okay. But how much is it going to cost you? If you don't know what that is, you cannot plan. You can't prepare. So putting the numbers onto it is great, but you don't eat an elephant in one go. Mm -hmm. You chop it down into little bite-sized chunks, and then you attack it every 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 bite-sized chunk. So cutting it down into, right, monthly, how much, what does it look like? Okay, then working back. If you're in a business, how do you want something new? If you are employed, okay, so how do I bucket my money? to allow me to accommodate all these things that I want to do. And if it means, sorry, you've got to cut back on some necessities, you cut back on some necessities. Yeah. If you've got to cut back on, you know, not going out and buying, you know, clothes for a month to enable you to have that thing, then that's what you've got to do. And it is that balance, but it's the mindset. People often don't like to make those changes because we're creatures of habit. Once yeah. we fall into this routine, it becomes very, very comfortable. I don't, yeah, I like what we're doing right here. But that change might be painful, but it's important to anchor in why you need to make that change and what you're going to get as a relation of that. So mm. I always say to people, you know, if it's a holiday, okay, why is this holiday really, really important? What do you want to do on this holiday? What do you hope to gain from this holiday? It's going to be a special moment because of X, Y, Z. Okay, well, you've got to, you've got to cut 100 quid off your bills this month. But, or oh, by the way, that might be a little bit painful, but guess what it's going to get you? It's going to get that memorable holiday and it becomes more tangible and even more rewarding when you do finally get there and do that thing. Yeah. I think that's the important part, isn't it? So you having some kind of vision and a goal to go for is what makes the difference. That's the motivation without, without having something to aim for, everything becomes difficult. You know, not, not eating badly becomes difficult. Doing exercise becomes difficult. Saving money becomes difficult. If there's no reason for it, then the motivation isn't there and then why are you going to bother you forget in those short term so that you know the classic motivations bullshit and it is to a degree but, but you need that in the first place to set the goal to then write the disciplines and then for, and then disciplines what takes over because every single day when you get up and and the the choice to do something other than what you've set out to do comes along without there being a guide in a north star you will not follow it because there's going to be your, the temptation of, of doing something else will always overcome that. You know, motivation's gone at that point. You're, yeah. not, you're not going to have yeah. that when you need it. Absolutely. I think it's, it's the same with most walks of life. It's true in personal life. It's true in whatever it is that you do, whether it's fitness, business, career, um, whatever. 
you need to have a goal and you have to be, be you have to be guided by that goal you almost need to have tunnel vision like i'm moving towards this one thing and that one thing is the is my purpose yeah. if you haven't got that you're just swimming through life kind of like yeah without really any any impetus for anything at all and you just get lost in in the motion of things influenced by outside things social media which is why they call it influencing influenced by everything that you see without having a, a center for what you're trying to achieve yourself and you know for me the reason why i do what i do is because i'm lucky that i've worked in the industry for the amount of time that i have i picked up a load of knowledge and i've i've become acutely aware of how important money is to the bigger picture and i think people shouldn't divorce the importance of money to their life mm-hmm. and do treat it as a tool your the money is literally there to enhance your life it's not there to run it dictate it or anything is there to enhance your life and the things that you want to do. So use it appropriately and use it in the fashion that it is, that it's, that it's been made for. And is there a, do you, do you tend to work on a, a target? So when you're splitting up the buckets mm-hmm. um, of whatever income you've got coming in and then saying, well, hey, this is how I'm going to distribute it. Do you try and set a target for where, how, what those buckets should look like? No, because it's different for most people. So what I, what I tend to do is when a coaching client comes along, one of the exercises, well, I send them a number of exercises that they, that they, they have to complete. So the first one is like a financial wellbeing assessment mm-hmm. and the financial wellbeing assessment looks at their current situation. It looks at money mindset, money habits, um, and it delves really, really deep into those areas. Um, there's about 60 questions altogether. So it takes some time for people to complete. And oftentimes people are like, that was difficult. And it's like you're supposed to be because it's, it's there to des- it's designed to help you think about yeah i should be doing that but i don't it's the way i should i shouldn't yeah i i should know that but i don't so i go through um a financial well-being assessment i go over a an assessing satisfaction um assessment and what that basically does that has a look at about eight to ten areas of life specifically so family recreational um and all these health a career all these other areas, then I drill down into the financial areas. So savings, investments, protection, and I get people to score on a graph, how they feel they score, how happy they are in each of those areas. And what that then does, it gives me an overview of, okay, so in general life, this is where you score yourself. But from a financial point of view, this is where you score. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes those two things do connect. So for example, if you're really unhappy that they haven't got a lot of spare time or balance and recreational, okay, what does that actually mean? I want to spend more time with family. I want to go on more holidays. I want to have more me time. Okay, well, what does it take for you to do that? It means you probably need to step away from work a little bit and have a little bit extra money. So therefore I've got something to tie it to. So oftentimes I get them to do that and also to get them to do a, like a timeline exercise where I say, right, put a, light, put a flag in the sand right now, so today, and I want you to pick a moment in the future, five years, 10 years from now, I don't care what it is, where do you want to be? And there are four, maybe about four or five areas I ask them to select of their choice. Normally it's family, career or business and finances are the three most popular ones people choose. And then when they map out where they are now, where they want to be in the future, I then have a good idea of, okay, so what, and again, it gets them to think, what do you want? I say, look, don't hold back. First thing that comes to your head, write it down and try to be as specific with it as possible. So if it is, I want to have a holiday home. Okay, where? How much is it going to cost? 
write those numbers down, be specific as possible, because what that then allows us to do is to know, right, you're here, you want to go to here, the total financial number attached to everything you've just said there is X. Okay, so we've now got six years or three years or whatever amount of time to actually do that. So what do we have to do now to get you on the road to achieving that? And then we have a look at the bucketing scenario and the bucketing scenario and how much you have disposable and for your investments or building for the future is depicted by what you complete in the timeline. So we try and make it sure as realistic as possible. And these are things that financial advisors would do with their clients. I'm just bringing it into coaching now. Mm -hmm. Um, But that anchors people into, right, I want to do this. Okay. So realistically, what do you need to do from now? And for some people it's like, okay, look, you need to earn more money. So either you need to go for a better paying job, you need to get qualified so you can get a better paying job. Or if you're running a business, you need to launch something new that's going to help you grow. Mm-hmm. But it gives, it will give everybody a really good idea of I've got some work to do. And that's the most important part, knowing you've got work to do. Because if it was too easy, is it really worth it? And how do you, are there any tools that you recommend for then, once you've built that plan of then tracking the spend because i think you know lots of people have different accounts all over the place and i think something i definitely hear a lot is i don't a i don't really know how to set a budget and b i then don't know how to track it so what how do people do those two things really well so i within my coaching plans i have a so one of the things that i send them is a as a, a a budgeting spreadsheet so they can keep that afterwards so that breaks down everything not just your money coming in, your money going out. I even ask questions around what have you got in terms of pensions, investments, all these other things, property, so that you can start to build a net net worth picture yeah. as well. So you've got that. And some people just like to do like an A4 and just like do a line down the middle, ins and outs. Mm-hmm. I always encourage people to do whatever makes them feel most comfortable. I think the key though is this. Whatever you decide to do, whether you decide to funnel money into different things, automating is the best thing you could possibly do. Don't leave it up to yourself. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust that you're going to get around to it when it comes to payday. No, just automate it. You automate it. It's sent. You haven't got to worry. It's, you know, it's just, it's just happening. And by the time you go and check the account, you realize, Oh yeah, I've got start to grow now. I've got 800 pounds in there. My next month is going to be a thousand. That then gives you momentum. It gives you confidence. You get into the habit automatically by then. And by doing that, you it you'll be surprised at how quickly you adjust to the new spending situation of oh yeah i've got this much going in for the future and you actually feel good about it as well it's like yeah i've got something building for the future now so automation is really 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 important i give a load of tools and you know within me all of my coaching clients i will always check in with them once in a while to say look how you how you doing and all of the assessments that i send them they've still got that to reference back to so at any point and i always encourage them you know on a quarterly basis have a look at that timeline exercise right and remind yourself where you want to be remind yourself right i'm doing this because of that and if anything changes then we can have another conversation and and tweak the plan accordingly but it's really really important where you can automate and always have something written down like there's nothing better than having everything down on paper so you can see it, you can read it. That's a visualization because for you to write it down, you have to visualize it. You've had to think about it and process that to write it down. So you having it written down somewhere is essentially your visualization. Be able to reference back to that is very, very powerful. Yeah, I think 
automation is key. That's definitely the thing that made the probably the biggest difference to me some time back was just opening other accounts and f siphoning it off immediately on on payday before mm -hmm. it ever got to me. Um, so it put a barrier in the way. I could always transfer it back if I needed to, but I knew yeah. I was never going to because it was just it was another step yeah. in the process that you didn't you didn't need to do. And I think that's really important. Do people do you do you then um, get your clients to then track their actuals on a monthly basis to make sure they're sticking to the the target that they set themselves? How do people keep track of where they are versus their goal? I typically ask them to basically have a look at it on a monthly basis. I mean people have different habits. So what I tend to do is I know whatever's going out in my bank account pretty much every single, every single day. Mm -hmm. And I don't check it every single day, but what I will do is once a week, I'll wake up in the morning and I literally just go on my banking app and I know what's going out and I know where everything is. So people always do it in their own very, in their own various ways. But I always say to people, you know, at least once a month, just make sure that you've got everything in place since check it just to make sure it makes sense. And if you need to review it every month, that's fine. If you need to review it every quarter, that's fine. Mm -hmm. If it's half yearly for you, that's fine. But just be mindful that with six months, a lot can happen in six months. So just be very, very mindful. A long way off course in six yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you need to check in just to make sure that you're right. But again, if you've got, if you've got everything automated and nothing's changed, the automation is great for things like six monthly check-ins because yeah. if it's automated, you've not changed anything, you're still going to be on track. So it's different for different people and diff people will always take different approaches. Um, but yeah, I always say at least once a month if you can check in mm -hmm. and just make sure that you're on track. And then once you started to build that pot up, what's the best step to start making that money get to work for you because the banks now in particular right the best you're going to get about 0.8 percent mm -hmm. uh, interest rate and inflation is still, even even bad times is about two percent so you're yeah. eroding your cash straight away and i think yeah that's another important topic is people think oh stick it in the bank it's safe which devaluing every single day mm -hmm. so how do people how do people take their first step into actually making money work for them Okay, so it depends what kind of situation you're in, because ultimately, before you begin investing in the market, you have to make sure you've got an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. That has to be your first thing. Yeah, yeah, because that is your safety net. So if you lose your job, you're unable to work, COVID-19 pops up again, everyone's out of work, you need to know that you can replace your, your expenses, so your essentials, with a sum of money. So you need that. And typically, when I was advising we would advise anywhere between three and nine months, depending on the client scenario and how much you've got going out. So when I say an emergency fund, an emergency fund is essentially your mandatory necessities. So your rent, mortgage, gas, electric, council tax, right? So it's that sum, whatever that is a month, times up by three, six or nine. Some people, some clients I've worked with have wanted to have like a year. So if that's you, times it by 12. Mm -hmm. So you need to have that money set aside. Now with that money, Ideally, you want it to be easily accessible. So a bank account, unfortunately, with zero interest at the moment will be the place for you to put it in because you need access to that money in very, very short notice, instantly, really, if anything were to happen. And that's to cover you if the border were to break down, you need to replace the car, that kind of stuff. It stops you from taking out debt, basically, yeah. to, to compensate. So those kind of monies, instant access accounts, or cash ISAs, at least with a cash ISA, it's tax-free, so you're not paying any tax. Yes, you've still got the, 
the erosion of, of, of capital due to inflation. But with an emergency fund, that's something you've just got to get comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Once you've got your emergency fund, though, then you can start looking at investing in things like, you know, stocks and shares, ISIS, so on, so on, so on and so forth to start off with to get yourself a return. Um, you can also have a look at, you know, things like bonds. There, there are a few bonds out there. At the moment. Say premium bonds can be a good option for putting cash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Accessible, yeah. tax-free, and yeah. on the very unlikely chance of wanting about 500 million, you might win a million quid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might do, you never know. So you, you've got bonds as well, which are low-risk investments that, you know, the beauty, the beauty about a bond is that, you know, from day one, if it's a thousand pounds you're putting in, you know exactly what you're going to get back out. You're going to get your thousand pounds back plus, I don't know, a hundred quid, for example, if you get a 10% coupon, which is very ambitious, but you never know. Um, but you know, you're going to get a certain amount in return. So these are all good places for you to basically start. Um, it's just, it's difficult at this moment because of the landscape, um, because interest rates are so low. You know, I remember times when you could get five, 6% on a, yeah. on a, on a bank account those days have you know not been around for the past decade or so so it becomes more and more tricky to try and um seek growth when you're when you're investing but the stock market is still a great place to to look towards and you know there are different ways that you can invest now things have become so much easier with people like wealthify moneybox plum nutmeg all these other places that you know help people start now with you know 10 pound a month a pound a month if they wanted to um it's just making sure that you at least try and get in the game if you're not in the game you have no chance of winning or or participating at all so and would you say particularly starting out then you know using a service maybe like nutmeg or you know one something i i, I thought was quite interesting is it ray dalio i, I love following ray dalio mm-hmm. he comes out with and i'd you know it's worth anybody looking up the all weather fund because you can then take control yourself and it's just using ETFs pretty much, ETF mm-hmm. bonds and uh, even gold ETFs, that kind of stuff that's that's diversifying the risk without you needing a whole load of knowledge like you were saying about mm-hmm. you know, evaluating intrinsic value of companies and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that at least you can spread your money across different markets and, and it's I would say it's probably worth looking at something like that if you're just kicking off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think ultimately for 99% of people who are looking to begin, you know, to invest in the stock markets, that's, you know, of of interest, you know, 99% of people will be better off going into like an index fund or an ETF or something like that, in opposed to buying stocks in Tesla, Coca-Cola, Walt Disney, because one of the things that you have, and I say this on my investment course, and I say this all the time is, you know, yes, trading 212, Revolut, free trade, they're all very well and good, but, there is such a thing as being um, not, not diversifying your risk and having concentrated risk. So if you look at some of the biggest companies in the world right now, Microsoft, Google, Tesla, um, who else will drop in within this? Apple, right? They're all tech firms. Yeah. Right. And people just think, well, if I go and buy these four tech firms, I've diversified. Yeah. Because I've got my money in four, four You're companies. You're all in one like, sector though, aren't you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's like, there is so much to think about. There yeah. is so much to think about. As a beginner, you're going to be better off starting with an index fund, an ETF, something like that, where you just use that to cut your teeth, get some experience, and then you start to broaden out and seek knowledge and then go for some of the sophisticated stuff. Because investing in, 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 in shares directly is quite sophisticated. You have to know what you're doing. You know, people are saying, this is the thing that frustrates me on YouTube is that, you know, I'm a qualified financial advisor, I've been in the industry for 15 years. 
there are there are people on 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 youtube saying these are my top five picks for this week and it's like mm. you're not necessarily qualified to be able to say those things and because it's right for you doesn't mean that it's right for me yeah right because it all depends on what your investment goal is so it's really important to kind of like seek help like you wouldn't go to a, a optician for dentistry work would you mm -hmm. exactly you wouldn't so it's like with these kind of things, because it is your money and you know, we have an emotional attachment to money, seek appropriate help. Now it doesn't have to be with me. I'm a financial coach. I coach people on this kind of stuff. It may be that you go and see a financial advisor who can actually advise you and help you package something based on your goals and your objectives for the future. You know, if that is the case, go and go and find one. Like yeah. financial advisors don't charge you to sit down and have a consult, con, con, you know, conversation with them um, to start off with. Um, but it's important that you seek the appropriate help and just don't, you know, watch videos and take them at face value, watch a video. So people watch me and say, look, this is a basis for you to do further research. I'm going to give you everything that's in my head on a topic, put it down. So it's easy to understand. Mm -hmm. You then take that information and do some further research on the thing that you want to do. So at least you're not starting from zero. You're starting from like a hundred yards in a 200 yard race. I'll yeah. get you to that hundred, but the last hundred is down to you because you need to do a little bit more research to build on what I've just told you and the knowledge that I've just given you. Um, but I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree. I think the old adage in investing is always do your own research, right? For very good reason. Mm -hmm. Don't rely on, on someone else's tips or, or ideas because you don't know whether they've, A, you don't know what their knowledge base is and B, you don't know what they're evaluating it against. You don't know what their risk tolerance is. You don't know what their reserves are. There's so many different factors at play that are likely not to necessarily apply to you and you've got to do your own, you've got to gain your own knowledge based on, on your own personal circumstance for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I've got this phrase that I use, context and context so sorry content and context yeah that's my that's my phrase especially when it comes to social media and any information that's out there on social media youtube instagram facebook wherever you've got content so a lot of people put out a lot of content mm -hmm. where they just like go on gov.co.uk and be like isis these are the four kind of isis that's it there's no context around it at all none and it's the context that makes that content more important it's the context that helps you understand, okay, is this the right thing for me? Is there something in this that I should be aware of because my circumstances says this, which means that actually that rule on the IT contribution means that I might be in breach and I might have HMRC on my back. The context is so, so important. And that's my big focus, using my experience, not just to talk about content, to talk about the context behind it as well. And I guess that's one of the reasons why my YouTube has done, you know, really, really well over the last six months, because I think people can, people know when they hear me that I always give a reason why yeah. I always give a counter argument as well, or an alternative that is a possible consideration for you to have a look at. And that's really, really important when you're looking at knowledge and looking at any content online anywhere, even on, you know, podcasts like this, mm -hmm. the context is really, really important and don't feel afraid to ask questions that's one big thing like just don't take it you know bible yeah he said it it's fine no ask questions if you're confused ask a question there's no such thing as a stupid question you need clarity you need to know what you're doing yeah 100 percent. before we uh wrap the thing up any any other tips you can give to to anybody who's looking to take better control of their their finances yeah so i mean look, the first thing and the most important thing is this 
if you're really serious about, right, I need to get my money in order, the best thing you can do is go and get all of your bank statements, all of your credit card statements for the last 12 months. Go through them with a fine tooth comb. And what you're looking for is you're looking for all regular outgoings. And the reason why I ask people to have a look at credit card statements and debit card statements and not just their, their direct debits mm -hmm. is because Amazon, Apple, the amount of times that I do this on a yearly basis and the amount of times that something I've purchased something on a debit card that is a recurring thing that I want to see for the next 12 months. And that oftentimes they're quite hefty ones like 100 quid, 200 quid, 300 quid because I bought a service. Have a look through all of it, write everything down. That will give you a very, very good overview of right this is everything i've spent my money on in the last year and then you can start to have a look and say well actually do i need that no i've only used it once get rid of it and you you'll be surprised at how quickly you can get a really good savings rally on with that kind of exercise but i'll say that's the first point once you understand what you've got going out on a regular basis don't be don't be afraid to shop around it's like you know the great services like look at my look after my bills now i mean i moved my electricity and gas with them it said before good a month just just like that basically so you know have a good overview and have a look at what you can review the idea is that where you can where permitted you want to shrink down your essential expenditure and have some money left over that goes into a third part. If you don't have a third part, you need to create one. You can't have a, a budget that is your essentials, then discretionary, and all of your money is in discretionary. No, <laughs> that's not doing anybody any favors. Yeah, you're going to have very nice holidays, but you can have nothing for the future. You need to create a third one. So yes, it might be a little bit painful. It might be a little bit um, difficult to do to start off with. And maybe some people aren't even in position where they can. But the idea is you need to keep in mind that you need to have a third part that you allocate for the future and think about the future when you're making those cuts. Think about what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and I encourage anybody to contact me. Um, the timeline exercise is a really, really powerful one. And simply how people do that is, you know, think about now, think about where you want to be in five years time, pick a few areas, life, career, family, business, finances, and be very, very uh, descriptive in what you want for yourself in the future write them down don't filter yourself try and put a monetary value to it try and be as specific as possible you do that exercise then you go back to your right my necessities and what i can cut down yes it might be painful to cut off the sky bill or reduce the sky subscription but when you think about what you want to do in three or five years time on that timeline exercise that 30 quid that 20 quid that you're saving here and there will be definitely worth it 100 percent yeah, I think that's the, the that very first step is idea having some idea of what you want. I think we touched on it a bit earlier is so important because otherwise, well, how do you know where you're going to end up? You have no idea how much money you need, why you need it. Mm -hmm. At the moment, most of us just need the money because we've got ourselves tied into these uh, recurring payments that have to be paid, whether it's a mortgage, yeah. gas, bills, cars, Sky subscriptions, all this stuff that mean that we're now... We have to do the job we're doing and I think um, something I'd encourage people to think about is what do you actually really want to do and then like you say cost that up because it might actually be it costs a lot less than you think it's going to cost to live the life that you want but you might just have to swap some of those costs around some of the stuff that you're paying for now you might not actually need there might not be anything that you actually want when you think about what you really want from your life do you want sky or do you want to be go traveling more frequently it's mm -hmm. uh, 
those kind of questions it's worth asking yourself and there are so many options out there now i don't mean i don't know about you i've got sky got netflix it's like i could pretty much spend an the amount of time watching Netflix as yeah. I can on Sky. And sometimes <laughs> there's better things on Sky and Amazon, that, well, sorry, Netflix and Amazon than there is for Sky. And Sky is quite expensive when you think yeah. about it and compare it to those two. Yeah. So it's like, really, really do think about, you know, where is my money actually going? Do I really need something? Because if you don't, another thing is as well, right? Phone contracts, right? So I, I've got an iPhone 10. So it's not the latest one. And I don't really care about the technology now. The time of me chasing handsets is just yeah. it's uh, gone, right? iPhone 6. That's how old mine is. Like, <laughs> trust me. Bored. I, I didn't renew my phone contract this yeah. last time around because it was like 100. It was gonna, I was paying like 70 quid a month and it was saying, well, it will be up to like 80 quid a month. And I was like, no, it's 80 pounds a month. For a phone. It's 80 pounds a month. It's you get an iPhone 11, you're talking 100 quid a month for a no. decent, it's, it's 100 pounds, like yeah. one zero zero. Like, I don't recall a time when 100 pounds felt like 10 pounds to just spend on a phone just like that. Yeah. So I didn't renew. And I'm on a SIM only contract that's costing me 18 quid. Exactly. Unlimited text, unlimited minutes, unlimited, unlimited uh, sort of uh, network stuff, 18 pounds. Yeah. It's like, those are little things that people can do today just to be like, hang on a second, why would you, why would you want to pay 100 quid I know. a month when you can pay 18, 25 quid, 30 quid on some of these SIM-only only deals? What, because you haven't got the latest phone out? Yeah. The technology is comparable in most of them anyway. So it's like, why? That's nuts. But it's again, it comes back to priorities. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's true that. So um, where can people find you, Pete? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, uh, Conversation of Money, um, or one word, I'm on YouTube, Conversation of Money. I've got the podcast, which is called the Conversation of Money podcast. It's on uh, Apple, Google, and uh, Spotify, uh, the main ones. It's on Stitcher as well. I actually just found out that last week um, it was trending on one of the Apple groups at number three, charting at number three. Very nice. Uh, so that was I was completely unexpected. I think that's really come from YouTube because people are finding me on YouTube, listening to the podcast, they listen to me on, on social media. Um, so yeah, those are my three main outlets. Um, and I've just started up uh, Money Intelligence, which is basically, um, it's a financial literacy platform. So effectively what we're going to be doing is we're going to be um, doing events where we talk about financial topics. So we've got one in August, August the 15th and 16th, and we're gonna be talking about managing money, use it. Oh, we've got an amazing lady coming on board. Um, I didn't even know this qualification exists, but she is the first um, FCA certified credit repair expert. Credit repair. First. So if anybody's looking to repair their credit, wants to improve their credit, she's the lady to go to. She's speaking on day one. We're going to be talking about investing in the stock market, investing in, investing in cryptocurrency, how to buy you know, your first property, uh, momentum investing when it comes to property investments, buying buy-to-lets, HMOs, the different methods, starting a business, the whole shebang. So money intelligence is all about financial literacy, financial education, and we're going to be running regular events. So the first one's in August. August 15th and 16th, we're donating money from ticket sales um, to uh, charities, well, to two charities. And um, the goal is to raise £10,000. So, you know, we're excited about that. Amazing. It's good. Really good. I encourage everyone to uh, go and check that out. And we'll make sure we've got um, the links to all of your social uh, and to the event on our website when, um, when we put this out. Cheers, David. I appreciate that. And yeah, I've got to get you on mine on my podcast as well. So Yeah, 100%. 100%. 
Cool. It's been amazing. Cheers, Pete. I really appreciate the time. Yes. And um, we will definitely do it again soon. Cool. Cheers, David. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, mate. Cheers.